About the Church, podcast episode number 48. Hello, everybody. Hola. Welcome back to the About the Church podcast. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is DG Hollins. And we're here to generally speak about the church, <laughs> where we do real talk about real faith. You got it right. And I get it right this week. <laughs> and this week only. Put it on your calendar. That's right. All right. I love just ramping up the sound at the end. Do you? Yeah, it makes me feel good about myself. Nice. Anyway, uh, it, it, I'm just easily amused. <laughs> Welcome back, DG. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be back. We are so excited to be here every single Tuesday. I know I am anyway. Uh, you're not recording. Just kidding. <laughs> ah, gotcha. You Woo! so got me that time because I'm like, what are you talking about? Sorry, I, I went what way What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah, God. Nukes. Yeah, that's Nuke. funny. All right. So anyway... Uh, I, I was just saying, I, I usually enjoy when you come here on <laughs> Tuesday because I look forward to this time of the week well, sure, I do too. where uh, we can sit down and talk about what's going on uh, in our in our faith journey and talking about what's, you know, basically getting a better understanding of who God is, Definitely. what it is that we believe, working through some of the questions that we have. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal. You have been through seminary. And I've been involved in ministry um, in in a in a some sort of official capacity since '96, and there are still things today that you and I are asking as far as questions and trying to figure out and and to to learn about God. Definitely. And this is a process that goes on forever. And you know, I I love this podcast for another reason. What's that? Not one of these emails, but I I had a personal email from a friend that listens to our podcasts and they contacted me because they wanted to purchase the Bible for the for themselves. Oh, okay. And they say, listen, I love your guys is about the church podcast and I love this podcast and I love this other one. And uh, (laughs) it's nice to hear. And you're like, are you a life member? Yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah, she's a plus member. Nice. So anyway, she she says, you know, there are some things you guys talk about. I just have absolutely no clue what you're what you're talking about. But the things that you, that I do understand what you guys are talking about, you share it in a, such a and you approach it from such a way that just makes me want to learn more. Cool. And that is very exciting. And I'm very glad to say that um, we I was working with her and she's picking up a new living translation version of the life application study Bible. Oh, cool. I didn't know life. they had a new living life application. Yeah. New cool. living translation, life application. Oh, yeah, they have awesome. the life application comes in multiple versions. Nice. In fact, uh, if you go to the show notes for this podcast, there's a link <laughs> to like five of them. Note note to self, need to put that in the show notes. No, that's actually there. Oh, is it there? Okay, okay. Cool. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I link it to our sponsor, Mardell. In fact, oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. anybody here, Mardell.com is not a sponsor of this podcast, but they are a sponsor of the Family from the Heart podcast that we do. It's an online bookstore. They have music, videos, and stuff like that. But really, the main, my main focus for them is is books. And anytime you want, go to Mardell.com. Use promo code GSPN in the shopping cart. 10% off your entire order. Oh, wow. And, uh, cool. and if you're buying Bibles and books a lot, then 
it, it definitely saves you a good chunk of change. Definitely. And uh, as far as I know, they always have free shipping too. So, Really? It, it has been every time I've ordered something. So It's not just because they love you more? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I bet they do love you though. I, I'm sure they do. At the very least, appreciate you. Yes. So um, anyway, we are here this week. What are we going to... I think we had a topic, at least one topic, if not two. Yeah, we had a bunch, but we also realized that we needed to make sure we cover all of our listener feedback and stuff like that. Yes. So. Yeah. So um, I can't remember what those were. I know, was, I, we I were know one of them. About, we were I know one of them. about it in the driveway yeah. when we left. I know consumerism is one of them. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah, but you wanted to talk about something else too last week, and I couldn't remember what it was. Um. Uh, creation. Yeah, creation. yeah. It's something about creation. Yeah, something like that. All know. right. Well, let's go ahead. I'll tell you what. <laughs> so that we don't put off our feedback, because really, honestly, exactly. this is this is why we do this podcast is for the listeners. So let's go ahead and jump to our feedback first, and I'll let you start off by reading the feedback that you have. Okay, cool. All right. So this feedback comes from Ellen. Yeah. Okay. E L I N. It's really cool spelling. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know how to pronounce the last name, R-Y-O-S-A, yeah. which is beautiful. And I wish I could pronounce it, and I'm not going to pronounce it because I don't want to mess up such a beautiful last name, whatever it would be. Uh, anyway, it says, I think I'm a great discussion going on this episode. I think I'm a bit like you, Cliff. I tend to lean to extreme sometimes and not dismiss it because it is considered extreme. Something to the extreme message is attractive to me. In my life, I found myself balancing between cynicism and believing all things, uh, one part of me is very cynical and don't want to believe due to me being afraid of being deceived. But though being cynical, I may lose out on the truths that I know that are there in the church and people and doctrine, etc. Uh, whenever I fall away and neglect my relationship with God, it's happened a few times, <laughs> in parentheses, um, I found myself being led by cynicism. But whenever God wakes me up again to walk with him, I find myself believing all things. I think this is the uh, this is the mindset we are called to have according to 1 Corinthians 13 that love believes all things. This way we get a hold of some of the truth even though we get to plow through a lot of garbage as well. LOL. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, taking for example the the prosperity gospel you talked about in this episode, I believe there is truth in that God wants us to be prosper, uh, but humans tend to take one truth and ruin it with an, to an, and run it to an extreme that was not meant to be. The same thing uh, with the fire and brimstone. There's a warning to be heeded in that message. If we are cynical and throw it all out, we miss the truth that is hidden in there. Uh, The imperfect partial understanding will disappear when perfection comes, as stated in verse 10 of that chapter. And now we we know a part, but then we shall know fully. Thanks for the great discussion. Awesome. And that she left that as a uh, comment on the show notes section on the plus member only site because of plus members get access to leaving comments on all of our episodes. Oh, cool. So, so Ellen, thank you so much for that feedback. And she echoes a lot of exactly where I feel in my heart. You know, it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not eager to throw all of this stuff out. And sometimes I am drawn to the extreme, you know, it's like, right. Give me the boundary and let me cling close to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's always safe and secure to, uh, to know you don't have to wrestle with something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't, so I don't I'm going to th- throw that challenge out there. I'm just like, you I, know, sometimes, and, 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 but, but once you've wrestled with it, then own it. I mean, live it, you know, realize that this is a truth that's found in the Bible and I'm going to live that. And I'm going to, ex- you know, exemplify that in my relationships and in my life and things like that. 
um, that, you know, like, for example, God is love, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he, uh, God is the essence of love uh, at its truest form and its truest sense. So why can't we live into that truth and and uh, and experience those things? Yeah, but, but some of the things I, I I don't know if I agree with your statement of of um, that God know, is love. No. Okay, good. The statement you made before <laughs> that it's okay not to it, it's easier not to wrestle with things because it's it's not the question of wrestling. It's it's just whether you know when you're still in the process of wrestling, where do you act? How do you carry out your actions of faith? Um, on a daily basis when you're still up in the air on the issue. So exactly. last yeah, last yeah. week we were talking about the concept of, you know, is hell a literal place? And and you know, the the I you know, the idea between evangelical Christians and mainline Christians where or which I still don't we didn't get any feedback. That's right. Any feedback regarding and, that. And topic. what that tells me is no one really knows. <laughs> well, no, that, Professor Allen says he he didn't do his homework, and so he he's he's asked for an extension. That's and okay. So, well, you so know he what? Is coming we will next show week. him grace. Yes. <laughs> he said all good professors allow an extension. So anybody oh, that nice. has Professor and, and Allen, and we will grade on a curve as well. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> It'll be a very big bell curve. <laughs> very cool. So. um Anyway, you know, the whole idea of, you know, should I be really trying to prompt my friends in, you know, to to accept the faith? Is this something I should be more actively pursuing because that's what some people tell me I should do? Or should I kind of just love and, and, you know, by all means share the gospel and if I have to use words kind of, you know, that other extreme. And so it's not a question of, of trying to live without an extreme, but it's just... Sometimes it is easier just to say, okay, this is something I know I should do and do it. Right. Where it what what becomes difficult for me is in the area of saying, I don't know exactly what I should do. I just know I should be doing something. Right. And I and and of course the the thing is is I want to please God and and you know, I just want to be doing the right thing. I don't sure. want to be doing the wrong thing. I don't want to be hurting people. And so as one end of the extreme if my being a little bit more forward with people saying, you know, hey, have you considered where you're going to spend eternity? Have you thought about, you know, what life without Christ means? Have you considered? And that's, that's just talking about evangelism. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. A way of doing. So so if that's the wrong way, would I be hurting people by maybe pushing them away or maybe scaring them into the kingdom where they really don't have a relationship? They just accepted it out of fear. Right. Or would the other end of it where I continue to love people unconditionally, I really don't make a point to kind of challenge them in, in that relationship. Well, and it, I would say I, I would say that that extreme is even further than that by saying I'm not going to do anything because I don't want to mess up. Exactly. And, and you know, I'm and saying, then of course, so. and then, you know, do I screw up because I never even sure. you got to the point. Now, you, I, I mentioned last week there was this poem in an old book that I had from a personal evangelism class. I don't have it here, but it was this poem that talked about, you know, what kind of friend were you? You know, here all these times, you know, you never told me about heaven or hell. And right. and and now I'm gone, and boy, I wish you would have said something, kind of thing. Right. You know. Yeah. And, and and that puts everything onto you, and doesn't allow any room for the Holy Spirit to work in their life. And so, you know, I, I that's that poem to me says I'm going to throw guilt all over you because you didn't tell me about heaven or hell, and and yeah. I have issues with that. No, I understand that. I understand that. I I have to bring the poem because I, I you know it's it's unfair for me to 
to it's unfair for us to sure. ha- make a judgment on that book because because the bo- poem spoke a lot to me and and was there a little bit of a wow this really motivates me to get out and sure. say and do more sure but i'm you know i i i understand that's one thing that i have come to understand it is not my responsibility to save people right it is not my responsibility to convince people that christ is real that christ died on a cross for our sins and that he rose from the dead to give us eternal life and that it's through him and through him alone that we we gain eternal life it is not my responsibility f- to have to to explain that in such a way that people will acknowledge that truth it is not my responsibility right however it what is my responsibility is to live my life in such a way that people will see a change within me and if they ask and if they ask and if they, if it creates an interest within them to always pre- be prepared to give the reason for this hope that I have, which means to be able to articulate a little bit of what I believe and sure. why I feel confident and why I feel assured of my salvation. Yeah. It, and, and what the key to that was they asked you instead of you telling them. Right. And I think that I think that as Christians in the world we live in today, especially with young adults, we need to learn to start talking with people instead of at people. Okay, and that's I a agree with huge, that. huge statement. And and so you, but you're in both those instances, at or with, you are following out that gospel mandate to be able to answer any questions and be able to, you know, give a statement of your faith of how you feel and what you are uh, in Christ and who you are in Christ. And so it's 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 not a matter of not following out the Bible. And I think the the problem is though. A lot of people want to say, go to those extremes and say, no, the only way you can give an account of your feelings is to be able to talk at somebody mm-hmm. instead of with somebody. Yeah, I am and very so much opposed challenge. anymore to the talking at people. I, I'm convinced that if you have to get in an argument over whether or not to believe in Christianity, <laughs> then you've completely lost the battle right there. You just might as well just draw and say, OK, let's pack it in for the day and, 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 and the other let thing me go is, buy you a drink or something. Exactly. And a lot of people think that. They read that of and Diet they Coke say, or water. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. bottled water. <laughs> That's pretty funny. But a lot of people read that and they say, "I have to get into an argument, mm-hmm. or I have to get into a uh, debate." Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably a little bit better language. I have to get into a debate, and I'm going to go straight into the uh, debate of and use science to answer scientists or something else like that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that leaves out the room. It leaves out room for the Holy Spirit. It leaves out room. For being able to talk with somebody, right? <laughs> because ultimately, most debates that I've ever seen, they stop talking with someone and start talking at someone. Yeah, and I don't know, I don't know too many people um, that really have a gift about being able to say, "I want to speak with you and not necessarily at you." That's a challenge. I mean, that's a hard thing. It is. It it's is hard for me. I mean, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert in this in any stretch of the imagination. Well, that's, you know, I do the Almost Daily Devotional podcast, and that is a podcast where my my desire is not to be, quote unquote, teaching right. or to be preaching or, or anything. It's it's kind of my way of saying, you know, hey, here's here's something that I that God's laying on my heart. And this is my gut reaction. This is my heart. This is where my soul lies as I'm dealing with what God's laying on my heart, either through scripture, either through a conversation I had with a friend the other day. It, this is what my 
almost daily devotional thought is. Exactly. And sometimes I find myself saying, and so what you have to understand is, and I'm like, (laughs) no, 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 no. And I even correct myself in the podcast. I'll say, no, what I have to understand, because this is for me. This is me Mm -hmm. process. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. Right. Just, and and, and I'm not even saying the way I'm living my life is what you ought to do. Right, right. But it's almost like you need a disclaimer on that one to be able to say, because like the times that I've done journaling, mm-hmm. I can literally tell you when I stop writing and when and when the spirit starts writing through me. Yeah. Because it literally changes to you. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you need to blah, 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 you know. And Tiffany, my wife, she journals all the time. And I can literally read her journal and tell you, boom, Tiffany went away right here and God took over. Yep. And, and, you know, and it's almost like the same thing when you're like, well, maybe you should. Wait, wait. I'm not talking to y'all. I'm talking to me. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Unless maybe God is talking to y'all, then you can read that. But <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's that's awesome. It, so, that, but yeah, talking with people, I think is is the critical key there. But I, I still think that I lean a little bit more on the edge of of being a. I, I I'm I I say I'm I'm drawn to a little bit more of the the rigid side of things uh, yeah the word i was thinking was accountability but like accountability from god yeah i don't know yeah but i understand what you're saying and I, yeah, well i come from the holy what was called the holiness movement wrong. I yeah really i don't think that's wrong it's just a, it's just a different way of yeah of experiencing god and, and a, right and and enjoying that and being a part of that so yeah Anyway. So anyway, um, and then in the chat room, we've got thank some you, of, Ellen. You are awesome for that wonderful email. Thank you so yes, much. Yes, you are. And uh, I, what's the name in the chat room? There is that Mar Margaret M. Yeah, she says seems Margaret. like okay. Margaret says the seems like the conversation needs to be two way. I.e., both people could learn something from the other, or it would just be one person trying to persuade the other, refusing to learn from them. That honestly, that has that was my experience in the early days of evangelism. It was, you know, let me tell you and you sit and listen kind of thing. And, you know, it's almost as if you had you had uh, what what do you call it? Not preconceived ideas, but you have an agenda. Uh huh. And and if you come into a conversation with agenda, then that's not conversation. Right. And that's the difference between talking at You have a or sales with. pitch is basically what you have. Exactly. And I think that Christians need to learn how to love people unconditionally. Mm-hmm. The, the spirit would do all the work of the conversion aspect. So why can't we actually love someone and be able to say, you know, we talked, I talked about this in the, the I went and spoke at a conference uh, this week mm-hmm. on Saturday. And one of the things we talked about was how to be able to speak to young adults and um, and we and that's that's what I was basically saying is please don't come to this with an agenda. Your job is to love God with every ounce of who you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. Period. Yeah. The Spirit will do everything else, especially if you're a good Wesleyan and you believe in prevenient grace, the grace that goes before that woos people into a relationship with God. And th- part of that will be your conversations. Part of that will be you know waking up and seeing a sunrise, and part of that you know whatever God wants to use uh, and make that happen. And so I think that's that's a huge key. Uh, to being effective at being at, at being able to help people being to, effective not defective exactly well, yeah exactly <laughs> it sounds like there being you go. defective <laughs> no he said being effective about being effective uh with 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 loving people and caring about people and if you go into it with an agenda uh, a young adult would look at you and say i'm not listening to you because you didn't put the dirty work into developing a relationship with me right 
all you have is an agenda here. And I think that's very true of, of seeker worship services and, you know, everything else. Are we as a church just doing our job of loving other people first and foremost with no agendas whatsoever? I want to say bye to Dar- uh, D-Webb real quick. He's leaving for class. So th- oh, okay. thanks for hanging out. See you, man. <laughs> I totally agree with you. We need the people today in our culture today. They thrive on authenticity mm-hmm. and they want to be loved for who they are, which by golly, isn't that what exactly what Christ offers? Exactly. I will love you as you are right. for who you are. Right. You know, unconditionally this I, on the cross. I don't I'm not going to get off this cross. I'm not going to stay on this cross unless you change. That wasn't what that wasn't the message. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, he's <laughs> like, listen, I'm on the cross. Just because, just the way you are. Right. And in fact, I, in the, what's so weird is even in the churches, um, even in all the churches that I learned this, you know, turn or burn, you know, stuff, and and you got to get your act, you know, completely straightened up, live a holy, perfect life, or else we're we're gonna ostracize you from our church because they don't excommunicate you in the uh, Baptist <laughs> church. But anyway, but or the, execute you or execute you. <laughs> But, you know, at the same time, I remember those are the same churches that sang, just as I am without. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I, I understand. I, I agree. And it's, I think that's a huge, it's, it's, um, it's a huge shift. I mean, it's a huge shift for what we've been doing the past 200 years as, as a church. Yeah. In quotes. Well, what, that's, what I'm saying is that I had this huge shift a couple years ago. I, I, I mentioned to you the whole, when I listened to the Donald Miller talk and then, you know, I learned other people exist and then people will never <laughs> listen to you unless they know for a fact that you like them. Those two realities really woke me up in my Christian faith, rocked my world and completely changed the way that I approach relationships. And so I have built and established some relationships with no agenda. Right. And just the fact that I am involved in a relationship with no agenda sometimes makes me feel wrong. Right. And, and you know what I'm saying? I, I can see that. But my it's question like, is, should why? I, because for some reason, I equate go, therefore, make disciples of all nations sharing the gospel with those who are not saved. But the term disciple means someone who is studying under somebody. It's not, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? It's it's, someone that's like, I wonder who Jesus is. I'm going to learn who Jesus is. I'm going to be constantly learning as a student. But it says, go and make those people. Right. Yeah. How do you make them unless you, you challenge them? them with, you challenge them with questions and you invite them to be able to ask those questions okay. and be a student of Christ. Gotcha. That's that's my understanding of disciple. It's not, do you accept Jesus? Good, you're going to heaven. Woohoo, let's go on with life now. Right. It really is, hey, let's join me that, that, in wrestling with if what anything, a relationship that, with Christ That's like. the one thing. And going back to the track conversations and going to the crusades and, yeah. and the, not the... <laughs> Not, not the Crusades, yeah. but the Billy Graham Crusades. <laughs> we're some, going back to the Spanish Inquisition and the Crusades. Oh, man. We're going to burn some witches here. <laughs> Salem, here we come. Here we go. Yeah. All right. So any <laughs> back to the tracks. That's the one thing that frustrates me is is the, you know, the four little steps, A plus B equals C. Say your prayer and la di da, you're good to go. The Bible doesn't say go therefore and make converts of all nations. Right. Yeah. You know, don't go there. It doesn't say go therefore and baptize all these people. It it says 
go and make disciples. Go and make people who are studying and who are earnestly seeking to know God. Right, and that does say baptize them in the name of the Father, the well, Son, yeah. and the Holy Spirit, teaching but, them everything I taught but you. But there are some people who, you know, they'll, they'll do you believe? Let's get baptized, and then you just go on with life. Right, exactly. I, and, it needs to go beyond that. And and speaking of baptism, we'll, in a minute, we'll talk about that. I'm excited about something. <laughs> yes, you are. But, I, mean, I even got giddy right then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But anyway, um, the thing is, is that you know, there needs to be a step beyond conversion that is life, a lifelong process. You know, the whole and, idea is not a conversion experience. And then, well, now you've you've attained all things. Exactly. And I think that in the towards the future, we need to allow that lifelong process. We need to allow a chunk of that to happen before conversion. And that's the challenge. Yeah, that's the challenge for the church. Um, in in my in in my opinion. Well, I I want to share some <laughs> fear and surprise. Exactly. I love <laughs> Andre. I you were saying something very serious there, and I was reading the chat room because nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, we'll we'll talk about Tiffany's voice or uh, feedback from the last episode. Uh, after I share my story here, cool. this weekend, um, Watermark Community Church, which is my home church, held a baptismal service in a swimming pool of a high school, and that's what they do. They do it every six months, and every anybody who has accepted Christ as Lord and uh, decided to live for Him uh, over that pe- over the pe- period of the last six months will get baptized during this service. One couple things I love about this, um, and and just to brag on my church because I, I really do love the church where I belong, is that we meet in one high school here in Northern Kentucky, and this high school has no swimming pool and it has no jacuzzi tub or <laughs> baptismal, and so all the way on the other side in a completely different county, or actually no, it's the same county, but in a completely different city, mm-hmm. there is another high school probably about twenty five minutes away where there is um, a swimming pool there. So not only is this not in the same location we normally meet for Sunday morning worship, okay, it's a completely different place. And what's really awesome about our church is that um, whenever there's a baptism, there might be somewhere between 8 to 15 people being baptized, but there is there is this one entire wall of bleachers and it is completely packed. And I'm saying there are almost as many people at the baptism service that show up on Sunday morning. In spite of the fact that many of those people have no family relationship with the person or persons being baptized. Cool. I just think that that is really awesome to, to that our church, the members of our church, see this as these people are a part of our family. Right. And, and, and know it's an importance to be able to make time for that. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, and it's you know, most churches just do their baptisms during the service time. So exactly. The majority of the people are going to be there. Exactly. But the church, the church services that I've experienced that did a baptism not during a worship time, it was just family that showed up. Exactly. So that's really cool. It is very cool. And not only that, but our our church does not have Sunday evening services. And so this is during the evening, a different church, a different location. Right. And almost everybody shows up. And so um, I've taken part of two or three of these, gone and celebrated with those being baptized. And um, we were the. I have always gone by myself for various reasons. Stephanie and the kids had other things going on, 
And this week we were going to take the, we were going to all go as a family and the kids were like, why do we have to go and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I said, well, we're being kids. What's that? You mean being exactly? Yeah. So, so what do we have to go? Who's we don't know anybody getting baptized, and I said, but we're we are going there to celebrate the decision that these people have made, and and um, one of the things that I had heard was we had heard was that um, our pastor's son was going to be baptized, and Stephanie and I were talking in the car, and it's like you know when do you think that would be the appropriate time to sit there and 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 to talk with our kids and see where they stand on this issue. And I said, well, you know, we, I think we just kind of play that by ear Mm -hmm. and, uh, without the desire of trying to coerce or set anything up, I just wanted to make sure to open up dialogue. And so I hear, here the kids are playing the Nintendo. Wii. I'm doing the dishes. Stephanie's outside grilling some burgers. And, I asked the kids, I said, guys, will you pause your game? I'd like you to come to the kitchen table. I want to talk with you. And so I'm sitting there doing the dishes. And I asked the kids, I said, do you know where we're going tonight? And they said, yeah. And I said, do you know what baptism is about? And, of course, they threw out some ideas. They were pretty close. They kind of understood a little bit about it. And uh, and they, they've they never seen this happen in the swimming pool before. That seemed a little weird to them. And so I explained <laughs> to them how that was working. And all of a sudden... Um, they started asking some more deep questions, both Megan and Matthew. And, and, and I was sitting there, I was explaining to him, I said, well, um, you know, this is a big decision. This is, you know, we talked about the decision to make God, you know, we, I kind of went around, said, do you know what the word Lord means? And it means the ultimate authority or somebody who you, you acknowledge to be in control of everything. The person who, who basically is like in charge. You know, mm-hmm. you, you understand that this person's in charge and he makes the calls and, and that you make a decision consciously to say, I want to live for you. And and uh, they said, yeah, and stuff like that. And I said, well, one of the things that God says is that if you acknowledge that and you accept him to be your God and you want to follow him, one of the things he asks you to do once you make that decision is to acknowledge that publicly before people and baptism is how he asks you to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. And so and and we explained that, you know, what the meaning between, you know, why do they why do you have to be dunked in the water? And we talked about the the analogy of dying, you know, dying with Christ, being buried and then raising new again. And mm-hmm. and, and with Christ as well. with Christ. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, through all of this stuff. And then I, I said, do you guys want to see what it looks like? Because I took some video of the last baptismal service. Uh huh. And I brought it down. I brought them down here, and I showed them some, some video of some people who were baptized in the swimming pool. And, was, and Matthew goes, "That's all there is to it." And I said, "Yeah." And Ma- and Megan goes, "Like I don't know." <laughs> and and I sit there. I said, and and Matthew said, and I didn't ask. Matthew said, "Dad, I might want to be baptized." And I sit there and I said, "Now, tell tell me why." And I had a conversation. I made sure that this was something that sure. you know it was his decision. And he says, "He says, Dad." I want I he says I want to know that I'm going to be together with you and with God in heaven and I understand because I listen at Sunday school and I listen to you and mommy and I know who God is and I believe him and I want I want to be a Christian and so we had that conversation and um I sit there and he he prayed and and we accept he accepted God to come into his life to be in control from that day forward, and he says, "And I will be baptized." And so 
we took him that night and he was baptized. And I got the pleasure of baptizing my own son. So don't you, don't you have like a button of clapping and cheering and stuff? <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, here you go. It's like anticlimactic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so if anybody's interested, I, I think it's episode 237 or something of My Crazy Life. I put the video oh, cool, cool. out there if anybody's interested in seeing um, oh, yeah, because some people in the chat room said they were crying all over the place <laughs> with the videos. That's cool. It was it was so awesome. I, I tell you, one of the things as a father it was, you know, my concern, how do I share this with my children in such a way that it's their faith, that they own this thing? Right, right, right. That That's my number one concern because I do not want, I mean, I'm going to make my kids go to church with me because, well, I can't leave them at home. <laughs> <laughs> because you're a good parent. Exactly. <laughs> So am I going to force my kids to go to church with me? By golly, yes, I am. Am I going to force them to believe what I believe? No, I, right. I'm i not. Am I going to teach them what I believe? Yes. Am I going to teach them what I believe through my actions more than my words? <laughs> unfortunately, yes. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Most of the time it's unfortunate. But the truth is, is what God has really been laying on my heart ever since, especially since I took the step of faith and I'm out here pursuing a career on my own, really having only God to lean on right. for everything. One of the things God's been really just gnawing at me at is is spending time with my kids mm-hmm. and being that spiritual leader in the home and being the the guy who's who's there. Mm-hmm. And and not just there just for keeping order and discipline. Right. But there for for fun and for excitement and and just enjoying life together and they've started to really i think what's happened is matthew and megan and mckenna have started to see the joy of christ in me and 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 in stephanie and in life and i think that that's really communicated to them and so i'm just very thankful and i i praise god for that it's awesome that's very cool so very exciting very exciting, and I think Ste- uh, Megan Megan wants to make that decision, but she's not quite ready to to get in a pool in front of a whole group of people yet. So <laughs> I said, "Well, when you are when you are serious enough about the decision that you'd be willing to do that, in spite of what how crazy it might feel, yeah, that's when you'll be ready." Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and I did, and again, I I did not want to force it. Sure, sure. You know? Well, it, okay. Honestly, somewhere deep down, I was like, "Oh, come on, do it." <laughs> <laughs> but but no. No, I, it, my daughter is my daughter and she'll, she'll take as long as she needs. That's right. So that's cool. Tiffany, uh, W, uh, in our plus member site, Tiffany Walker, she actually left a feedback for the last episode. She says, Hey, it's Tiffany from Seattle. I have, Oh, some from, from Seattle. Seattle. She says, I have listened for a long time, but rarely oh, comment. No, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> However, since you guys brought up my hometown, I thought I would respond. I was listening to the podcast regarding Mars Hill in Seattle. One thing about Mark Driscoll, he uses humor in most of his sermons. I don't go to Mars Hill, although I have visited a few times. The music is not for me, which is why I don't attend there. However, I do listen to the sermon, do listen to the sermon podcasts. GSPN and Mars Hill podcasts are primarily the ones I listen to. In the episode, DG had mentioned that maybe all the people who go there are came from other churches and just joined a church where people believe the same thing. In Washington, it's estimated that maybe 2% of the people go to church. 
So really, if all the people who go to Mars Hill come from other churches, the other churches would start to empty out. And seeing how attendance at my church is still good, I have to say that it's just, that's just not, that, I just have to say that that is not it. Okay. Uh, I have, let's see, I have noticed that being downtown Seattle is close to the University of Washington, and so it does draw a lot of college students and single young professionals who are not normally found in large numbers at church. The other topic you guys touched on was grace, and DG mentioned that the Bible was pure grace, and I do, and that I do believe. However, the truth is just is important in the Bible as well. You don't want to have one without the other, and I think that DG, you would go on and agree with that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would say basically that grace is a truth, <laughs> <laughs> and and I think that that true grace ex- expresses the truth. You know, it it's it's basically here's the truth. But in spite of that, there's grace. Oh, yeah. yeah right? Definitely, yeah. And, and, well, not in spite, just along beside it, you know. it's oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, it's late, and I'm not sure if this made sense, but those were my thoughts after hearing the episode. So, And I, I appreciate the clarification of the, you know, the worship uh, attenders and people that are attending that. Yeah, the church as well. I, you know that that's the thing. I was reading this article from Marsh, Mark Driscoll, and it was he was talking about when he planted chose to plant a church and talked about the Mars Hill area, or the Seattle area, and that it is a a I mean less than two percent of the people. I mean that is it's a very low percentage of people who are attending church, and 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 he's he's obviously got something going on because he obviously has a a, a rather large congregation. And he has a lot of people who listen to him and sure. on the net, and oh, he's yeah. he's now accepted as a speaker around the world. I don't know how much he charges though, DG. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. He's probably written some books. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Has he? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, the thing is, is that I I have you know I I go back and forth. I, I like his preaching style uh, to a certain degree, and then at sometimes I just think, wow. He just really just, you know, I understand the truth there and I understand this. And it's like, wow, that is that's that's a pretty straightforward way to put that. But at the same time, that that leads me to thinking about two different things. There are seeker sensitive churches and then there are churches where the service or the the gathering on the weekend is devoted not to seekers, but to believers. Mm-hmm. Which which of those do you prefer? Okay, you want to talk about consumerism? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because that's exactly what I was leading up to. Because the statement of which ones do you prefer mm-hmm. is promoting consumerism. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly why I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's um, it's it's just like I mean, you, you tried to trap me, but I, I saw the trap coming. <laughs> I'm gonna just steal that piece of cheese off without setting it off. <laughs> But I, I think that's just a huge, huge issue um, in the world today, of um, especially among Christians in the West, primarily, okay. primarily us. I hear that so often, but I've never been to any of the churches anywhere else, so I don't. Right. Well, you know, I, I'm, been, I'm primarily thinking about a church in China. Okay. Okay. You're, you're probably not going to join the church because you want to, uh, because it's going to be causing tons of of um, oh, what do they call it? Uh, persecution and and uh and things like that and, and i mean and it's thriving 
but it's kind of like the church in the early church. I mean, if you were a part of it, it was hard to get into. So it's not, it, they didn't, there was no such thing as a secret service. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, the, it was, they made it difficult to be a part of them. Um, number one, because they had to worry about people literally dragging them off and killing them somewhere or putting them in with alliance or whatever else. But uh, they were going to be persecuted. I mean, and, and they, they, they knew that going into it. So, you know, we've, we've been completely blessed to know that we're not going to be persecuted because of our faith, at least in this country. And I think um, part of that challenge that that leads us up to that is basically we do have the majority. I don't. I can't say majority. The majority in the church that I, that that I attend at Florence United Methodist Church. I think they're probably mainly consumers mm-hmm. because they have shopped around. I'm putting that in quotes that no one can see except that if you're watching the live video feed, <laughs> they've shopped around to decide what they like better. Right. And and when when you go into a, a worship service with that attitude. I think you have a misunderstanding of what worship is. My understanding of worship is literally sacrifice, sacrifice and giving of yourself. Right. It's to lay prostrate before something that you are worshiping. And you're basically saying to that something, hopefully, you know, God, all of me, I'm giving you my back and I'm laying down. I am completely vulnerable. Right. And, and if, if people went into worship with that attitude, I think worship would look completely different than what it does today in a lot of churches. Well, let's talk real quickly about what it does look about look like in a lot of churches, at least in our culture here in North America. And this is <laughs> no this is this is a clip for, that was put together by an organization for churches to use to have as a sermon prep tool to to kind of introduce this topic. And uh, I'm just going to play this clip. It's called Me Church. And uh, here you go. Right now. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. I love This that. guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Right? Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a whack? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and, and we'll, we'll get, get you, you there. there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. <laughs> she drops her bike, runs to the It's all about you. Uh, anyway, that... <laughs> hold on, I got to stop it there. That is by far one of the funniest clips that I think I've ever seen, but unfortunately, it should not be that funny. The only thing that makes it funny is how stinking true it is. Right, right, right. You know, seriously. And 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 I and I, this and I think it all goes back to what is something that, that that a lot of people called. I don't think it started right around. I don't know. I can't remember exactly when it started, but it's basically the church growth model. And this model of ministry, this way of doing church, basically says. It's the, if you build it, they will come mentality. Mm-hmm. 
So the purpose of church growth is to get butts and seats and money and, and, and money. Mm-hmm. So you can be able to put more butts and seats. And they're, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying that well, these the, people have a bad heart. No, I mean, because they, they, really be, believe. they believe that butts and seats are people who are hearing the word of God. Exactly. And every, lives are being transformed. Every single butt is a soul and, and is a Every person. single butt is a soul. That's, come up the way. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, uh, but, but that's, that's their mentality. That's the way that, but I, but I, the challenge with that is you start, you start being able to feed the consumeristic mindset. And the butts and seats comment, that actually came from when I was in Long John Silver's in their corporate marketing department. The, the field marketing director kept on saying, I want butts and seats. That's my purpose as a field marketing director is to get butts and seats. And we started taking that mentality and that ways of doing and being church. I'm reading the chat room and I'm not, I'm trying to look at you and not read the chat room. We, we have our show title for this week. Nice, nice. Every butt is a soul. <laughs> That's hilarious. But anyway, so, but, but that the challenge with that is, is when you start being able to say, I want to draw people to me mm-hmm. or to, to the church. And ultimately you're saying in your mind, you're thinking to, to God, but what has happened is um, we've, we've basically said, we're going to com- compete against movie theaters and uh, theme parks. And, you know, we want to get people to come to us. Uh, if you build it, then would come mentality. And, it's just not. It's just not working in the world today, and so the, all that's done is feed this consumeristic well, mindset. You say of what do not, I like? When it, you say it's not working, what about what would you say about mega churches with sixteen thousand members? I I would I would question if they are making disciples or if they're just getting people to come. Well, they got butts and seats, right? And we just you want to go back to the disciple talk we just had. <laughs> <laughs> are they but, truly living transformed lives but, or are they just showing up on a, on a specific time to be able to go to a service well, that was geared to to have I, them appreciate it and I'll, not to make itself I I'm going to say consumerism is bad and we're going to continue to go down that but I do want to ask you a question about a 16,000 member church that has a lot of butts and seats. Okay. All right. What about the fact that maybe just to consider that if that church did not exist and didn't do some things to uh, interest people and and bring them into the church, that those 10,000 butts would be at the the local football game or at the big city football game or or they would be at, you know, Burger King in the morning or they would be out doing uh, tons of other things or still sleeping in bed. And those would be 16,000 people who, who are at least hearing the word of God, who are at least somewhat being challenged, who are at least coming together with the understanding that, you know, while my commitment to God may be coming here on Sunday morning, but at least that's more than what I was doing three months ago before I heard about this 16,000 butt church. I mean, is it all bad? I don't necessarily think it's all bad. No. And, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that God uses everything, even sometimes despite us, actually, probably in my case, most of the time, despite me, God uses me. And, and I think that I really think, um, I think that, okay. At this conference that I went to, we, the main speaker was David Kinnaman and he wrote this, he co-wrote a book called unchristian. I don't know if you ever read or heard of unchristian or not this Mm -mm. book. But basically, he's the president of the Barna Group. 
So okay. George Barna, you know, all they do is deal with statistics and then be able to help make some connections of what those statistics are doing and showing um, among people. And I, I, I just, I don't think it's necessarily all horrible, but I do think that we do a horrible disjustice if we are a mile wide and an inch deep when it comes to our spirituality or our understanding of Christianity. Right. And, and I think that, I think that, you know, the challenge to me is how do we, how do we be able to, would God be completely happy and satisfied with that? Mm-hmm. Or is he challenging us to do something else now to, to help make that mile wide much, much deeper? Well, exactly. And, and I think I, here, here's the thing. Okay. I have a friend of mine who, who, what, who kind of felt the same way that I did for a long time, which by the way, what I mean by that, what the way that I feel um, I, I felt I was a part of a church that had about 6,500 in attendance every week. And I recently, as far as t- about two years ago, decided to completely leave that culture, that that way of doing church behind. It was everything was done at the church campus. It had a huge building. They were building million dollar buildings. Uh, a million, you know, there was a six million dollar fundraising campaign. They were going to go borrow five million of that from the from the bank and they were only going to expect one million of it to come from the people right off the bat um, and they were going to give four hundred thousand dollars away to some third world country to build an AIDS clinic and so it, when I saw the the percentages the proportions the fact that you know one of you know the whole idea of, of living debt free and not borrowing money and all these other things and borrowing you know four fifths of your your budget for a brand new building to put all these people and and to kind of keep everything here happening on this campus where you encourage people to not go and spend uh any time in the neighborhoods on halloween but instead bring everybody here in the safe uh fortress walls of of the Mm -hmm. church and all this other stuff i got tired of that personally and started searching for what's called a simple church, which is, and of course, I feel like a little bit of a consumer. It's like, well, I wasn't happy here. But the thing, <laughs> yeah, but, the, exactly, yeah. but the thing is, is I wanted to find a church where it wasn't about the building. It wasn't about being being bringing people to a place. It wasn't about putting butts in seats. It was about people coming together, worshiping God, living life together, um, and somebody that focused really just as strongly on life together outside of the week weekend worship service, uh, just as much as they focus on loving God and doing life together during that time, and so that's what that's what I found, and 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 I'm very excited, and I, and I'm I'm happy that our church doesn't have a quote unquote physical location that right. that we call our campus or our home. Um, but yet my friend and the amazing uh, thing is you know and, and I just I just want to I just want to kind of add on to what you just said the amazing thing with you not necessarily having a building that you own is that if if hard times come and you and you don't even have that building you all know that you're still going to be around you have not put your identity into a building brick right. and mortar you've put your identity into a community exactly and I think that's amazingly beautiful <laughs> absolutely we could meet at the local ymca we could meet exactly, anywhere because i know a lot of united methodist churches and, you, and most denominations they really are dying i mean they're dying mm-hmm. um the, even 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 the baptists have said hey we're gonna actually tell everybody that we don't have as many people as we used to which is huge i mean this is a massive statement 
And like in the United Methodist Church, these small rural churches, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're basically saying you can't afford the building. You can't even, you know, you can't afford a pastor. You can't afford the building. We need to combine you with another church in the area that's very small that can't do the same thing, and you guys become one. It's they have. It's not the problem which that they place, have with which other, church do we use exactly. It's not the issue that that makes the challenge not the problem is not necessarily. Oh, I hate those people because we have a football rivalry with them. But the problem is, is we love this building, and their identity has become a part of that building and not not the community. Right. And it is. I mean, it is really, really difficult. And and they just get completely like the rug got underneath their feet, and their faith is just shook like nobody's business because of a building yeah and i and i see that trend continuing because my generation is not giving money to an institution right they're not even going to give money to a building and they're probably not even going to give money to a a pastor they're going to basically say well well work alongside me man you know or you know just let's do something because i i believe that we should just be able to give the money straight to mission work now i'm talking primarily people that would be normal and not have any church experience you know Right. You know, in the past. Well, Anon six oh seven six in our chat room. Um <laughs> Thank anonymous, you, anonymous. You, exactly. Says our church doesn't have its own building because it they don't want it to sit empty six days a week. And um I that's exactly the reason why I went searching is because I the fact is is that the churches that do have mm-hmm. a building and it they don't want it to sit empty six days a week either. Sure. And so their reasoning is like, well, let's just make this make sense and Let's have lots of events here at the church. And again, right. sure. that the whole mentality of bring them all in, bring them in, bring them in, instead of going out and, and meeting people where they are was, was my concern. So I have this friend of mine who did the very same thing, left his big, gigantic church that was doing not a $5 million, but I'm talking like a 14 or $20 million wow. building campaign. Big time. Big time. Wow. Now, of course, this church has enough members to pay for that. Um, and as far as I know, they were going to do, I, I I don't know if they were going to do it without debt or whatever, but still, regardless, he felt, you know, it's like, man, that's a lot of money that could go and do a lot of other things in this kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so he got his family up and, and left that. And unfortunately, I don't think he really found a place to, to plug in outside of that. And recently he decided to go back because he said he to himself, he says, you know what? They've built this place now. It's gorgeous. It, it 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 the people are here. It's being used and these people you know what and he says as far as I'm concerned I didn't find anything else that for my family anywhere else and mm-hmm. this is where I feel God calling me and so I'm one of those butts in the seat and it's better being here than just sitting at home. And sure. now and and as a result of that I've already noticed a huge change in his his is like wow you know i've kind of gotten away from some of the things that's what i'm saying and so and that goes back to what professor allen says it's like he said you kind of seem sure that in a sixteen thousand seat auditorium you know that that discipleship's not happening and i'm saying that that i i i agree that consume i don't want to feed consumerism i don't i'm i am a consumer my i think north america i am a consumer I've been trained. I think I've been trained to be sure. a consumer right there with you. from the day that a Gerber nipple had been put in my mouth. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. um, you know, and it was it was it was always Gerber food, not not um, not mashed up, you know, stuff from the garden. Right. You know, and and it was disposable diapers, not the kind that you can reuse and rewash. It, right. Uh, 
from day one, I'm a consumer. Right. And I've never known anything other than being a consumer. And I'm saying that I think being a consumer in the church is bad. And I agree with that. And, and of course, the one concern that I have is you said, you know, we have people in our culture today who they're not going to give money to the church. They're not going to give money to a pastor. Well, some of these things are just downright what God wants you to do. And, yeah. and so if we are to be training disciples who, who are actively seeking to, to understand what God wants from them and what God, God, I believe God does want. See, I, one of the things where I, I deviate from George Barna and I did a six part series in this podcast way back before you came on called mm-hmm. why I hate the church. Mm-hmm. And I was reading, I was really investigating what my faith was and how much I really feel about how I really feel about the quote unquote institution of the church. Mm-hmm. And I was reading George Barna's book revolution, which he mm-hmm. suggests that it's completely possible for these revolutionary Christians to live a fully devoted life to Christ without the institution of the church. And mm-hmm. I really feel strongly against that. I feel that God has instituted the church pastors, teaching, um, equipping and all of these other things. I don't, I don't, I've, I didn't, I didn't read institution as the gifts and the graces that God has put into the lives of the people that are a part of his church. Okay. Um, I didn't, I didn't read that as I read institution as we've set up a polity and you know, this is how rules and regulations for how to be the church. Okay. Um, and, and, and to, to, a to, a to a, um, almost a governmental understanding of institution. Right. That's the way I read that. I, I did not read that um, as... You mean you know, you're talking about Barna's revolution? Right. Okay. Right. I, I read that as basically, like, for example, the United Methodist Church. I mean, we have a polity and a rules and regulations that say you're a district superintendent and you're a bishop and you're this long for this amount of time and you can retire at this age. But I mean, what about... All the institutional kinds of stuff, that's what I read. And I and what I what I read from him was basically, if you become a house church, or and that's what I think he was kind of promoting was the house church kind of mentality. Really, um, was you you are a house church and you can be able to thrive as that community with all those gifts with the with the God ordained you know this is a uh, preacher and teacher blah 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 um, you can exist and still have that. But I say all that to be able to say. Eventually, when something grows to be too large, there needs to be there just it, the institution will occur. It'll it'll happen. Yeah. Once it grows to be a certain size, there has to be some form of structure that's put into place um, to be able to make sense of it. And what he was basically saying is, well, no, 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 fight that structure, stay a house church, and and birth another house church, and birth another house church, and fight that institutional. I, that's I what will, I read. I will say that when I read the book of Acts and I've gone through and read it several times and I, every time I read the book of Acts, I, I really get excited about the book of Acts. So I, I probably should get in there and read it again. <laughs> but one of the things that just really strikes me is the fact that, that the time that the church, the, the gospel message spread the most was when there was persecution against the institute, the institutionalization of the church. These people were gathering in large gatherings, and it started to create such an uproar. So many people were being drawn into it that people started to, you know, the established church or the the established religion of the day mm-hmm. started to persecute them in such a way that was, you know, even the apostle Paul before he became. 
Paul was Saul, and he had orders to drag men, yep. women, and children, put them in prison, and even kill them if necessary right. to stamp out this movement known as the church. Right, or Christianity. Yeah. Or Christianity, which which was the early church. Right. So, in essence, what happened was every time they did that, the church kind of dispersed. Mm-hmm. So it went in many, all, many different directions and started out and branched out. But the thing is, is it never died. It continued to go out. And 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 rose up wherever they went. So it, it, it never died. It grew exactly. <laughs> and, and, and so th- the book. There's a book out there uh, called "The Forgotten Ways" by Alan Hirsch. Uh huh. And that's what his whole book is based on. Is basically the only two times the church really, really boomed. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Was in the midst of persecution. So right. he talks. He talks about the early church. And he talks about the church in China. Yep. And he basically says we need to find out what it was that was the core of these churches and to bring that core back into the church that we, we need are to start now. persecuting the church in America. <laughs> <laughs> but in it and he basically he basically says it it really does center around the, the missio day which is just Latin for the mission of God. Yeah. And that's that's where it starts. It doesn't start it's with the whole idea of going it out with Missio Day. Yeah, going out. So so let me ask you this. And 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 I'm not you know I have no control over any of this. But I just wonder what would happen if I number one if I were a pastor if I were the lead pastor mm-hmm. of a sixteen thousand member church. Mm-hmm. Number one, it'd be very difficult to think of anything other than to continue to grow this thing, right? Or to and of course I'm certain that as a pastor of such a large church. I would I would definitely want to make sure that we're putting things in place to disciple people and that people are getting the training and everything necessary. But I'm just wondering what would happen if a 16,000 member church were to the the church board got together, you know, how how many people would be on a church board in a 16,000 member church? But anyway, the church board, all the 12. leaders, the the <laughs> the entire staff of this church went away. Let's just say 80 people all went away, and during that week, they decided that there was nothing. And, and I'm not suggesting this is what God will want, no. but but just let's just say this would happen if they came away from a staff retreat and they said, "Listen, what God wants us to do is stop functioning as this church and encourage everybody to go and find a way to, in their community, start a church from the ground up." Okay. We are no longer going to meet as this church anymore. Okay. What else? <laughs> like, give me a question or something. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, what do you think would happen in, in a situation like that? Oh, it, well, because I, I, I believe that they are a mile wide and an inch deep um, and, and, and primarily more consumeristic than disciple okay. aspect, uh, they would... They would say, "Well, wait a second. Who's gonna, <laughs> who's gonna do this? Who's gonna do that? Who's gonna do this?" So instead of asking themselves, "Is God calling me uh, to do this?" So in essence, it's probably best for them to stay around for a while and try to try to get those people an inch and a half deeper, and slowly train them and disciple them. And I'm saying that that is practically impossible, even over the course of someone's lifetime. Um. In Unless, a cons- in a consumeristic church, in a consumeristic church, because they're not providing opportunities for them to wrestle. Now, I think that a lot of mega churches do have really good small group ministries. Uh huh. Um. And 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 I'm you know of course I know a lot of mega churches that say we have a we have a ninety percent small group ministry in, involvement, but you know one of their small groups is the kayaking class <laughs> and, you know, and the and the tennis class that they don't even they, there is no depth whatsoever, but um. 
And I, and I realize I'm making generalizations and that's not the case. I mean, everyone is different. Every church is different. Uh, so get that out there. Um, but I think it would be a huge, huge challenge. I believe it's possible or else I would not be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> right. I do believe that, that um, even if a denomination dies, the remnant will be there to be able to bring back uh, God's people. But, I mean, you look at the Old Testament, God basically said, all right, my presence is gone. You guys are going into exile. See if, And is that a horrible, horrible thing? How many Christians did we lose? I mean, how many... How many Jewish people, chosen people, did God lose by saying my presence is going away because you want to be like the other the other countries? And they started prostituting themselves over and over and over again by worshiping other gods. Uh, and God allowed that to happen. God allowed that to occur. Right. And you know, and and so, <laughs> I mean, you're dealing with God ultimately. So we, there's no we, we're just we're meaning <laughs> almost meaninglessly talking about it. But well, this but could I be meaningless, meaning, meaninglessly talking about the church. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that the challenge, the challenge that would lie would be, have we as a mega church, 16,000, whatever else, have we created environments for people to really be able to understand that worship is sacrifice? It is not consumeristic. And have we fought those consumeristic tendencies? And, and I, that's the challenge. And, you know, and actually, uh, what's the big, huge honking church in Cincinnati? Uh, Crossroads Christian. Uh-huh. They did a whole sermon series on consumerism. Yeah. And I, so, I mean, they recognized it. They're going, whoa, what, <laughs> how do we deal with this? You know, how do we fight the selfish well, tendencies? And how does a church do that? How does a church do that? And I, and I think, well, it comes down with some pretty heavy handed preaching and teaching about the issue of consumerism, which leads to, <laughs> I mean, sometimes maybe just sharing the truth. You know, it's like, listen, are, are you just here because of the free coffee? Is that is that why you're here? You know, I mean, do you realize your responsibility? And and it becomes, you know, a little bit more of the hellfire brimstone conversation needs to happen. Not hellfire brimstone in right, such yeah. as if you don't turn today, you're going to hell tonight if you die. Right, right. Not that kind. There, but a, a little difference. bit more exactly. Right. There's a difference between challenging somebody and then and then saying this is an absolute. You know, what I'm saying it's it, there's a, there's a difference between those yeah. things. And 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 I think Mark Driscoll, from what I mean, he may have a mega church. But from what I hear of his preaching, his preaching is not consumeristic. Probably not. I mean, the dude's hardcore reformed. I disagree with his theology all over the place. Um, but uh, and that and that's my challenge that I See, have. Next with week we're going to talk this. about re, we're going to talk about reformed. I want to next week. I want to talk about what is reformed, what is mainline, what's evangelical, what is. <laughs> I, I want to talk about this because I, I want to I want to know what I am. I want to know what what label do I need to wear around my neck. Good. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> it's funny at this conference that I spoke I have at. No I have no idea like, what I am. At the conference I spoke at, I was just like, I, I'm just going to speak on behalf of all young people right now, uh, young adults. Please stop labeling us. <laughs> Would you please stop labeling us? And um, and then later on during the thing, I was just like, okay, for older clergy, I wish I could tell this. And some ladies, you know, who is an older clergy said, we're not old, we're wise or something like that. And I said, oh, you don't like labels either. <laughs> it was awesome. That's funny. Yeah. So, yeah, that anyway, consumerism, I, I just wonder how possible is it to break free from consumerism in a culture where we are all consumers? It's it's, but wait, wait, did you say how hard is it? Yeah, I, very. How, <laughs> no, no. I, just, is it possible? I mean, yeah. we. It, this is a con, and of course the thing is, I will say, I grew up as a consumer. I I grew up in consumeristic churches. Mm-hmm. 
And through my going through these processes, not I, I believe I've come to a real, authentic, genuine, a mile deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that happened all through. I spent five yeah. years, no, almost six years in a mega church. And sure, were there a lot of things I didn't like about that church? Yes. Were there a couple things I disagreed with? Yes. Do I, do I agree with their building funds? No. But were there things I learned about my faith, about people, about the church in that place that I would not have learned had I gone somewhere else? Absolutely. And that's what I'm right. saying. God works despite us sometimes. It, so, so, And so that's, and I'm saying we have, we've got to live into the failures, into the mistakes so we can be able to figure out what was what God desired for us to do and to be. So my, so. my thing is that there are going to be struggles for mega churches out there that with 16,000 member churches. But I'm just going to say that I think there are going to be similar struggles and issues with getting people to to be a mile deep in their faith with with churches that are are grassroots, you know, uh emerging churches like the Waters. Yeah, and and well of course because we all live in the same society. Exactly. That's what we're dealing with. And and, so, and that's what we're dealing with is this this understanding of holy is this set apartness. And how do we live lives uh, with our words, but also with our actions that say we're working to fight uh, to not be underneath this thing called um, a house. Um, what do you call it when you the debt of your house? Uh, mortgage. mortgage. Uh-huh. We're, going to, we're, we're trying to fight not being under this horrible mortgage. And we're trying to live simply so that 50% of all that we make goes into mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and we live simply into the lives that God is calling us to be. That is a huge, huge challenge. Yeah. And I know some people that are trying to live into that. They're literally trying to do that. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I'm, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I mean, I, I lived a huge consumeristic life, um, and, and have tendencies. That is, that is the major thorn on my side. That's my tendency is to go, right. uh, go hang out with the consumerism way too much. Well, folks, we need to Good one. pretty much wrap this one up. Um, I think there's still so much we could talk about oh, on this sure. topic, man. I really do because I just I still think there's a lot to talk about. But next week, I do want to talk about some of these labels because the, I mean there are a lot of there are there are a lot of Christians who listen to this, and there are a lot of non-Christians who listen to this. And I think next week, if we could just talk about. What are some of these labels? Right. I, I, what's the difference between somebody with Reformed theology? Who, what is a Protestant? Where did that name come from? If, if we could just talk about some of that stuff, I and, think it'd be interesting. And I think we need our listeners to be able to help us with that. Yes. In please, fact, please, please. I'm begging you because I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. That's right. Let's be able to have a discussion. Please let us know. Yes. In fact, help you can do that. that. You can email us. That's one thing you can do. Feedback at gspn.tv. Another thing you can do is you can leave us a voicemail on our listener line. It can take anywhere up to about four minutes. Uh, Try not to go too much longer than that if you're going to leave a voicemail. But four minutes at area code 859-795-4067. There you go. (laughs) And folks, just remember this podcast is only possible because of the awesome support of our GSPN.TV Plus members. I do podcasting, new media work, full-time and as a ministry. And if you guys would be interested in learning how you can help support that, gspn.tv slash plus. Later. Bye.